It's Talking Football with Vince Tracy and Rob Daniels. So, a very good day. Welcome, everybody. It's the 7th of October, and uh, up here in Denia on the Costa Blanca, uh, the weather is nice, it's sharp, there's a nice definition on the mountain. It's not too uh, cold, <laughs> far from it in actual fact. We've had a lot of heat over the last couple of days. Um, it's gone a bit cooler, so it's more manageable. Let's go down to Playa San Juan and find out how Rob is and what the weather is like down there. Good morning to you, Rob. Yeah, hi Vince, hi everybody. Um, the weather down here today, it's a nice sunny day, but you can tell it's awesome. The sun um, isn't breaking the stones, if you like. There's uh, seems to be a few people strolling about, still wearing short sleeve shirts and things. It is getting quite cold in the night time now, though, so... Um, It'll be time to put the, the winter duvet on um, sometime soon, I think. But, uh, no, it's beautiful. Good. OK, well, look, we uh, start off by looking at Spain against Italy. Uh, you went out to watch it. Uh, so, tell us, what was the game like? And, obviously, uh, we know Spain has won this one and it's into the finals. Do we know who they're going to play? And uh, tell us about the game and all that sort of stuff. So, off you go, Rob. Yeah, well, last night, Vince, um, Wednesday, the 6th, um, it was Italy versus Spain, and it was the semi-final of this Nations League um, thing that they've got going at the moment. And Spain beat Italy 1-2 um, away, which is a very good result for Spain, because uh, before, several years ago, before, before the World Cup, basically, uh, in 2010, Spain always feared Italy. It was what they call the bestia negra, which I think we, in English we use the uh, phrase bête noire, don't we? which is where it's sort of like your bugbear, where it's the, the jinx team. Um, but the young Spanish team don't have any fear of Italy. The Italians got a man sent off, deservedly so, in fact, just before half-time. Um, they were falling about all over the place, um, pretending they were trying to get an Oscar for uh, being killed in a war film or something like that. But it, it was a good match, actually. Um, the Italians are quite entertaining to watch, even though they don't play as fair as possible. They are quite entertaining. And one of the interesting things is that Luis Enrique is trying out um, some new players. There were two players last night who um, haven't been capped before for, for Spain. There's uh, a young lad called uh, Gabby, he's, this is what they call him as a footballer, he's actually called Pablo Martin Paez Gavira, uh, but he's known as Gabby. He is um, plays for Barcelona, this is his first season actually playing in the full uh, Barcelona team because he's only 17 years old, Vince. He has played five matches so far for Barcelona, he's had three starts and came on as sub twice, then he gets his uh, first cap in the uh, Spain team, so Luis Enrique, he has a lot of contacts, especially um, Barcelona and Real Madrid. But um, it was thought he'd give this lad a chance. Another, another lad called Jeremy Pino, who plays for Villarreal. He um, is 18 years old and he was also in the squad. One of the things that I found interesting, actually, is looking down the uh, Spanish squad list, there are 10 players that play in the um, Premier League. Goalkeepers, we've got Unai Satsimon, who plays for Atleti Bilbao. He's the number one goalkeeper, even though he wears 16 on his back. He is the best goalkeeper in Spain at the moment. Then we've got David De Gea of uh, Man United and Robert Sanchez of Brighton. Go to the defence, we've got Aspilicueta of Chelsea. We've got Laporte of Man City. We've got Reggie Young of Spurs. And then we've got Max Alonso of Chelsea. <clears throat> Midfielders, Robbery of Man City. Um, strikers, Brian Hill of Spurs, uh, Ferran Torres of Man City, who got both Spain's goals last night, um, and Fornals of West Ham. So um, there's a lot of Premier League footballers playing in the Spanish national team at the moment. Um, but the, 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 fa the other finalists, the uh, next semi-final is being held tonight, kicks off at 9 o'clock European time, and that's Belgium against France. The... Um, I think there'll be a third and fourth place playoff on Saturday, I think, but the final will be on Sunday, and Spain are definitely in it. OK, and what exactly is the cup they're playing for? 
Well, it's one that they brought out um, in 2018, and it's called the UEFA Nations League. Now, it was designed to stop all of these pointless um, friendly matches that the international teams used to play, but we still seem to be playing them, don't we? We still seem to be friendly matches being played. But the, the teams originally were set out in, <clears throat> in their ranking, their UEFA, or FIFA, I think, yeah, FIFA coefficient rating. Now, how they work that out, um, I'm not really sure, because Belgium, at the, apparently at the moment, are the, the top rated team, and Belgium actually won anything. But they, they set them all out into different leagues, and you can get relegated. The, 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 they play the top four teams, play for a cup every two years, but the bottom team out of every group gets automatically relegated, and the top team from the group further down gets automatically promoted. Um, but it's, it's quite a complicated, as you'd imagine, it's quite a complicated pyramid system, if you like. Is that the further down you get, there are four groups, A, B, C, and D. But when you get down to Group D, which is teams such as Andorra and San Marino and Gibraltar and, and teams like that, then they're actually split into smaller groups again. So the, the actual um, structure of it is quite complex, but it's basically like a league. It's like a league system between the uh, different countries in Europe. There are 55, um, 55 teams playing, I think, because um, Gibraltar were given FIFA recognition after they'd started and therefore allowed to join. So really, uh, it's just another way of making money, really, isn't it, by the sound of things? It's just like a, another... <laughs> it just goes on and on. I mean, where, where does it stop? Well, exactly, Vince. You've hit the nail right on the head. That is, that is basically exactly what it is. Um, but also, because it's in these sort of league where the teams are more evened up, if you like, um, Gibraltar actually have won a match. Um, against Andorra, I think it was. But, yeah, for the, for the teams that don't normally get to the, any European Championships or anything, they will get more support, if you like, because they're playing against teams more or less at their own level. Um, but, yeah, it is just a, a, another money-making exercise, definitely. OK. Listen, just while it's in my mind, you know it was Eric's birthday yesterday, so we wish Eric a very happy birthday, because uh, I'm pretty sure yeah, you might happy, be yeah, happy birthday, Eric. Congratulations, mate. And uh, at his birthday, uh, there was a guy who came in, uh, was not a tall guy, he's about my size, and uh, basically he uh, was introduced to me as a goalkeeper who who'd played for Reykjavik at Anfield. And um, we had quite a nice chat, you know, I mean, he was just um, an interesting guy with an interesting story, but there we are. Um, okay, look. We've started talking a bit about um, the, the Spanish team. Uh, one particular Spanish team that have gone into free fall, of course, uh, Barcelona. And uh, they have recorded in the um, papers yesterday 481 million euros loss. Um, and I see that they've overspent on contracts. They overspent on salary raises. They overspent on what was called club management um, and they overspent on buying the likes of Griezmann when they had no money to pay for him. And apparently Laporta, uh, he was uh, reported as saying that they'd had no financial planning and if it was a business... Uh, now, it's funny that he should say if it was a business. I mean, it's massive business. Uh, but they would have had to file for bankruptcy. Um, I mean, when you actually look at the, um, the mess that Spanish football has become, and in particular Barcelona, um, I said donkeys years ago that it's going to take something cataclysmic before anything will change. I can't really see it changing even now. Uh, with the likes of Salah demanding uh, £500,000 per week. Uh, I don't know about you, Rob. I find a lot of this sort of stuff uh, almost immoral, you know, to, to think that somebody can demand half a million pounds a week when uh, people are still starving, can't get a decent meal, 
um, you know, schools need things, hospitals need things. We're, we're totally and utterly out of kilter. And when we talk about the Great Reset, which incidentally does appear on all the websites, all the government websites, you can go and find it at the Spanish government website and see everything I'm telling you is absolutely true. The agenda 2020-2050 is the one that you look at for now. Um, it puts the likes of Messi's money and Salah's demands for the, uh, that type of money into a really horrible bracket for me. Um, right, going back to Barcelona, anything we need to look at even more than what I've said? Well, Vince, um, just mentioning the uh, Great Reset, um, if any listener is interested, it is actually published, isn't it? The, um, there are lots of countries have all signed up to it. Um, so it's not a secret, and um, anyone who's interested could read and find out what they uh, intend for us all. But, but, but you go, see, this is, this is exactly the problem, uh, because, you know, people are not going to read it. Um, and if people had been going to look at the information, maybe they would see a little bit more about why we're suffering the way that the world seems to be changing. You know, it, it is planned, and it's not as though the people who are making the plan are trying to hide it from anybody. So, really... No, no, I, think, I, think, I, think they, I think they're actually trying to inform us of it. That's why the information is so freely available. Um, and on, as you say, on official government websites, um, we, we won't go into the details now, but if anybody wants to have a look at uh, Canada's plan, um, it's quite frightening. Um, just as well, we, I always thought Canada was like one of these countries where people were free to do what they wanted, but um, that's going to last for very long. Did, did you think I was exaggerating when I first tried to explain that this is all available and it's not something that's... I mean, you know, the, the, you've got this uh, conspiracy theorists and all those things which are clouding the issue. Um, so when I first sort of mentioned that this is available information to everybody, did, did you think I was exaggerating or, you know, uh, uh, can, you, can you see why really I feel it's so important to get this message into whatever we're talking about, you know. Oh, of course, because it's going to affect everybody, isn't it? Um, it will affect what we talk about football. It will, it will affect all the rest of every, basically everything that we do in our lives and everything that everybody does in their lives. And yes, the information is freely available and it isn't conspiracy theory um, talk. There's actual government um, announcements out there from different governments throughout the world about what they intend to do with the yeah between 2020 and 2050 isn't it well you see all this was going on in in one set of circumstances and then uh, as everybody was heading towards the lisbon treaty um that was going to sort of give us a pan-european army and basically at the moment it's worrying enough to know that uh, china is really massing its military um, in Taiwan where they uh, have been doing exercises and flying into the Taiwanese territory uh, then of course you've got Russia's just said they've um, and, and they've issued a video of an intercontinental missile going at 7,000 miles an hour or something I mean I mean these are very very worrying times so when you then think about the Messi situation and all the football. Uh, it's almost like a, a veil that's being brought across so that we're all involved in the wrong things, worrying about the wrong things, talking about the wrong things, rather than seeing the world for what it is and the changes for what they are. That's really why I get um, into the, the, the state each time we talk about these things to try and urge people to go and read for themselves so that they realise that, you know, I'm not being alarmist, I'm certainly not a conspiracy theorist, but something is happening and we should inform, at least be informed of what's going on. Um, will Barcelona get through this? Or do you think that there's a chance that, like any other business, they could actually go bankrupt? Well, <clears throat> well, it's interesting that <clears throat> uh, John Laporta 
mentioned as if it uh, if it were a business because Barcelona Football Club isn't actually run as a business. Um, if they had been, if it, if it was a PLC, um, he actually stated the other day, if it was a PLC um, or an SA, as they call it in Spanish, which is the same thing as a public limited company, yeah. the club would have been dissolved um, because there was no cash flow, they had difficulties paying salary, debt and future liabilities amounted to 1.35 billion and there was an urgent need for re refinancing. But Barcelona is actually a members-owned club with over 144,000 members. So it is an unusual system to run a football club, but um, they, they're not backed by any people from the Arab countries or anything like that. They're basically run by themselves. Um, but they've got themselves into all sorts of difficulties. Now, Jan Laporta has been president of uh, Barcelona before, but he came back in in March 2021, and he puts all the blame, um, which he might be right, um, but he puts all the blame on the previous president, who was called uh, Josep Bartomeu, who basically let, let the finances get completely out of control, and they are in what is classed as technical bankruptcy. Now, I can't see Barcelona Football Club disappearing altogether because quite a lot of the members are extremely wealthy people from the uh, Barcelona area. I mean, it's some extremely wealthy people um, from the Barcelona area, but there are also other members who are just like people like us, season ticket holders, basically. Um, but I think they managed to dig themselves out, but they've got themselves into a really, really massive hole. Um, so we'll just have to uh, wait and see on an ongoing basis how they get out of it. But or you know, if they get out of it. Um, many times when we've been talking about these things, um, you know, and I talk about um, football being part of society, not the other way round, society being part of football. I mean, it's almost like this is um, some sort of an organisation which really. It sees itself as above and beyond any of the normal boundaries that everybody else has to put up with, uh, and as uh, well, Laporte yeah. actually said, you know, if it was if it was an ordinary business, he said it, it would have to file for bankruptcy. Well, you know, how long can they go on as they are, just muddling along? Well, that's what they're trying to work out at the moment, Vince. Um, if it was run as a business, um, as Laporte stated the other day himself, they would have had to file for bankruptcy. Um, as it is, it, 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 things were going wrong for them before COVID, but COVID has hit every single business in the world. Um, every, it's hit everybody in the world, hasn't it? And, and Barcelona used to get a lot of revenue um, during the week when, when they weren't playing. Um, by p giving people tours of the um, stadium, the camp now. I went, um, I don't know, 15 years ago maybe now, I happened to be in Barcelona at a trade show and I had uh, two or three hours to spare before I got my train back down to Alicante. So I thought, I'll, I'll go and have a look. And it was, the minimum was 15 euros in, um, but there was a massive queue. You had to queue for about three quarters of an hour to actually get in. Um, if you wanted a guided tour with somebody actually showing you around and um, explaining things to you, you had to pay 25 euros. And they had um, translators of all different, a lot of Japanese people went. Um, if you notice at Barcelona matches, they have a special section for sort of Japanese tourists. Because it's one of the things when they come to Europe, one of the things they want to do is either go and see Barcelona, or go and see Real Madrid, or possibly Man United, or possibly Liverpool. Um, so they have a special section for the um, for the sort of tourists, and they pay top dollar to go in and watch the matches. And with the COVID situation, all of that um, stopped. They they didn't have really any revenue, did they? Apart from um, internet sales for of shirts and kits and things like that. But people weren't buying them so much because everybody was under the COVID restrictions and a lot of people were very short of money and still are. So um, they were in, they did have problems already, but COVID has just basically uh, made, made these problems even bigger. Okay, well look, um, Real Madrid, 
they seem to run their club in a different way altogether. Uh, that seems to be uh, a little bit more like a conven conventional business. Um, so, well, yes, that's that, yeah, that's because um, oh, um, Fernando Perez is a businessman. John um, Laporte isn't a businessman. He is a politician. Which, um, well, think, think what you like about politicians, but he isn't an, he isn't an actual businessman. Whereas Florentino Perez is, and he's got an absolutely massive construction business worldwide. So he has a team of <clears throat> advisors and accountants and people like that who make sure that Real Madrid keep their um, keep their books as straight as possible um, because he does understand the world of business whereas Barcelona isn't technically isn't run as a business um, and maybe it should be I mean uh, they, they still owe Liverpool money for the sale of uh, Philip Coutinho for example <laughs> so uh, <laughs> well yeah I don't doubt it I mean um, I think when the uh, Anton Griezmann went back to um, Atletico Madrid I think he more or less went on a freebie because he couldn't afford to pay his wages. Um, like Messi went to Paris Saint-Germain, Messi was out of contract, but he went on a freebie, didn't he, because uh, he was out of contract. He will have got paid, of course, but Barcelona basically yeah, just had to um, offload as many of the top players as they could in order to get some revenue, in order to try and pay off their debts. I mean, um, it is a very complicated situation to explain, but they are in dire straits, Vince. Okay. And, and their results are not good either. Their results at the moment are not good either. Well, when we come to the Premier League uh, roundup, which you'll do for us, we'll find out a bit more about that. Uh, let me just also add in that if Messi and others have gone to Paris Saint-Germain, uh, it would appear to me, from what you're saying, that unless Paris Saint-Germain and their Arab owners have got a bottomless pit, um, then realistically um, they, they can just sort of get into a muddle the same as um, Barcelona have. Um, you know, it, it does appear that that's a very, very shoddy way of doing business. And... Um, to, to actually be paying one person, as any of the clubs are doing, the sort of uh, money that they're paying, I'm not at all surprised that uh, they've got financial problems. Um, if you look at Virgil van Dijk uh, in Liverpool, uh, he has got 230,000, I think it is, a week coming in. And, you know, Salah is now wanting £500,000 a week. You know, this this is immoral money, and I keep coming up against the. Eric will always tell me, well, it's the clubs that will pay it. But you see, the thing is, they're not paying it. That's the whole point. It's not their money. They can't afford it. It's all become monopoly money. So what I've said, and consistently, I think um, I, I would have to stick by what I've said. It's got to be sort of sorted out at some time. Um, so, Rob, uh, changing the subject slightly and we're going to Brazil next because uh, there's um, a piece of video going the rounds and it shows a footballer in Brazil kicking a referee in the head while the referee is lying on the ground, which is totally and utterly unsavoury. It's difficult enough being a... Um, you know, uh, being a referee, but to actually um, find a referee being kicked in the head is disgusting, isn't it? Oh, it's completely um, out of order, isn't it, Vince? Um, yeah, this is an unusual incident, actually, but um, yeah, he's been charged with attempted murder as the footballer. Um, the, the footballer involved is called William Ribeiro. And he plays for a club called uh, Sport Club uh, San Paolo, which isn't San Paolo, the big club. Um, it's another team in that area. Um, and he attacked the referee when a foul was awarded against him uh, in a way match against another team called Guarani. The game was halted for a um, quarter of an hour. While the referee, a guy called uh, Rodrigo Crivero, I think they pronounce it in Portuguese, 
um, was taken to hospital. But um, yeah, the referee was on the ground and the player started kicking him in the head. So he's going to be charged with attempted murder. Um, fortunately, the referee was okay. He was later released from hospital. But um, it's not something you want to see anywhere in the world, but definitely not on a football pitch. No, uh, the way the world is at the moment, uh, I wouldn't be at all surprised if the referee finds himself uh, in court for uh, butting the player's boot or something like that. Uh, I mean, you know, it, the, yeah, the, yeah, the world, yeah, yeah. we're losing everything at the moment. We're losing all our values and all the good things that over the centuries, were, you know, the, the respect for things in general. Um, I just wish the referee well. And obviously, uh, we'll find out uh, what sort of a thug this person is. Anyway, we'll go next to um, um, Newcastle United. And it looks like... Uh, the uh, the Arab consortium that was going to buy that particular club in the Premier League is now uh, going back into try it again. Would I be right? Well, this is a saga that's been going on for the last 18 months, isn't it, Vince? Um, they agreed a deal between Newcastle and the buyers in April 2020, but that was really when the COVID thing um, was at its height, wasn't it? it? It just sort of like kicked in and nobody was certain about anything at all which we're still not certain about anything at all but at least things seem to be getting a little bit back to normal um but they've started negotiations again and it's a guy called um crown prince mohammed bin salman um who is the chairman of the board who um are trying to take over Newcastle United, but he is being accused of ordering the death of uh, a, a journalist called Jamal Khashoggi. Um, so they're, they're obviously quite shady people, um, but it does seem to be going ahead. Now, the, we've mentioned this woman before, but there's a, a woman originally from the area, I think, called Amanda Stavely, who is setting up this deal. and. I'm not sure about the figures involved because they're not really publishing figures involved, but we're talking about um, mega am amounts of money. Whether or not that it will go ahead, it's still in the balance, but at the moment, um, all the different press um, outlets, if you like, are all saying they're very close to closing the deal. So uh, by the time I speak next week, uh, Newcastle United might be uh, in the hands of uh, this Arab conglomerate. Well, from what I was reading, it, it, it was almost as though Steve Bruce has already been sacked and uh, they're in charge of the club. And uh, again, you know, how much information do these newspaper people get um, and how much of it is uh, available to, uh, you know, the public domain? Because uh, that surely has got to be an invasion of Steve Bruce's privacy, if nothing else. Um, it's going to give him stress if he hasn't already far and away stressed over what's going on. Anyway, um, that was my immediate... So, Steve, Steve Bruce was interviewed about this, and he is um, an experienced manager. I mean, he was a... Um, believe it or not, when you look at Steve Bruce now, Steve Bruce was part of uh, Alex Ferguson's, Sir Alex Ferguson's Man U set up, wasn't he? Yes, he was. Um, yeah, oh yeah, he was, he was, he was a good player. He's a... He's a He's a hard man, he's uh, Steve Bruce. And he was saying that, yeah, you, 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 with experience, you do tend to expect the unexpected, if you like. It'll be a shame if he goes immediately because he's now on 999 um, league matches as a manager. Not all with Newcastle, but he's been a manager at various places. And one more match as a, um, a manager, and he'll, he'll get to a thousand matches as a manager. But you know what these people are like. If they do take over, it could be like Steve Bruce out the door, and everything could change. Newcastle probably do need a change because they're not doing very well this season at all. Yeah. However, um, they probably wouldn't like such a radical change. Okay. Um, right, we'll look next at the Pandora's Papers um, because um, much as, you know, this is a different world of people full of lots of money, 
all not satisfied with doing as well as they're doing and getting on with their lives and putting all their money into the top things that you can buy. Uh, it appears that they all have to go offshore and, um, you know, make even more money. And unfortunately, there's an article which is uh, linking Pep Guardiola with an account in Andorra. Now, it's all very well, you know, the papers reporting these things, but it would appear from what I was reading, the general thrust, thrust is that there's no law being broken. It's just the way that the rich can get richer. And um, if that's the case, why drag Guardiola's name through it? Is there more to this than meets the eye? Well, this um, Pandora Papers, it's, um, it's like a carry-on from the Panama Papers a few years ago, isn't it? It's where they're tracking down where the extremely wealthy people um, hide their money. And I don't think Pep Guardiola has done anything illegal, but he did apparently have uh, £425,000 in an Andorran bank account. Now, Andorra... As you, as you know, um, maybe some of the listeners don't if they're from farther afield, but Andorra is an extremely small, independent country um, right on the border between France and Spain. But it's one of these fiscal paradises where there are special tax rules and things like that. And it is where a lot of um, Spanish people who have extra money and they don't want to declare it, um, they have bank accounts in Andorra, which apparently did Pep Guardiola. And it, they say that the money um, came from when he was he finished off his playing career at a, a Qatari club called Al Ali um, between 2003 and 2005, and he, he earned a reported £1.5 um, a year. So, and he won't have spent all that. Well, he obviously he, he, he's still getting paid a, a, a massive salary for being a Man City manager, but it, yeah. It, it was ways that people can hide their money from the relevant tax um, authorities and the, the amount of names like Pep Guardiola in football, but there are a lot of very, very, very well-known people who have all been named as well. Yeah, um, to obviously we, we won't name we won't name you on this because no, we will. Tony, we... no, hang on, we will do because Tony Blair uh, was, of course, the Prime Minister in the United Kingdom, and the reason why I quickly say this is because Boris Johnson was busy um, trying to say that uh, Brexit was partly the reason why um, the European Super League didn't uh, get started. <laughs> you know, these six breakaway clubs. I mean, there's links all over the show if you want them. And uh, apparently Gary oh, Lineker, are, yeah. Gary <laughs> Lineker <laughs> took him to it's task. All it's all interconnected, isn't it? It's all inter interconnected with a certain group of people who are extremely wealthy and... Um, yeah, they, they, they live in a completely different world from the rest of us, don't they? Um, and, yeah, they all, they all know the tricks so that they don't have to pay the irrelevant amount of taxes on the wealth that they've got. And um, I'm not, I can't say it's corruption because I don't think anything illegal has happened. But it's definitely bordering on that kind of uh, situation, isn't it? Well, apparently if they pay the taxes... Uh, on the money that they have in the country that they're hiding it in, um, then that doesn't break uh, any laws. But, it, you know, when you look at the ordinary everyday man in the street or, you know, and all the things at the moment that we're facing, inc including a massive hike in uh, electricity prices and all that sort of thing, um, you know, and then you realise that the shareholders of the electricity companies are probably people that are part of this Pandora's lot. You know, I mean, it just goes, it shows you that part of the Great Reset and capitalism is is not right. Um, you know, I'm not a rampant communist. I'm not a socialist. I'm not a capitalist. I'm just somebody that has to live and try and understand all the different parts of what goes on you know and i find uh, a lot of this is extremely distasteful um but you know i i really just i have to put my mind to one side and say uh, i can't do anything about it it doesn't affect me i've never had that sort of money and if i have that sort of money 
I'd probably be quite happy to just pay me taxes and get on with my life because I, I don't want to worry about things, but okay. Uh, let me give you a little story which um, I don't know if you caught this, and it's about somebody called uh, Bradford Petty. And this is a 50-year-old guy, and apparently he was one of the people that uh, was taken to court um, for the racist terms he used after the uh, three Black England footballers uh, missed the penalty kicks. Um, you know, I'm looking at uh, what he gets. 50 days in prison, suspended for 12 um, months and 200 hours of sort of community unpaid work. Um, you're really going to stamp racism out with that sort of punishment, aren't you? Yes, I did, I did see this story, actually, Vince. Um, he's a 50-year-old plasterer from Thorkson, um, who he posted a video of himself on Facebook um, in the hours after England's defeat by his own penalties, um, and he used two racist terms to describe the three back players, all of whom missed their um, penalties. But why a man of 50... Um, I mean, he's not, he's, not a, he's not a teenager, is he? A man of 50 would be stupid enough to even call out racist comments, number one, but then publish them on Facebook, um, which is open for the whole world to see. And this man obviously hasn't got a brain in his head, has he? Um, but yeah, he's, he's been able to do two, 200 hours of unpaid work, which would be some sort of community service. Um, I wouldn't let him anywhere near children are old people I'm not saying there's anything dodgy about him in that way but you don't want him influencing anybody do you with his views well i think um, i think it, also rob you know when you actually analyze what's happened the guy has gone to watch england all right so that should make him an england supporter the guy has watched well, those... yes yes he's one of these our country types isn't he yeah um, but i mean the thing is yeah. he's watched those three lads who you could see have all tried the best. Um, they didn't select themselves. They were selected. So they turn up in the England shirt. They do the best. They're three good, well, three blooming good players, aren't they? Um, they seem to be very nice lads. Rashford, we know in particular, has been doing some really nice things in his community. And so this guy who's a plasterer, who obviously um, won't accept that we are um, now a multicultural uh, planet, really. Um, by all means, I can understand people's um, being annoyed because of certain things that... Um, you, you, you know, uh, are not fair um, and maybe at the moment there's a balance shift in the other way. Uh, I think really the sad thing for me is that anybody um, should feel that, um, you know, they have got the right to just shout nasty words to people just because they've got a different colour skin. I mean, you know, racism, for what it is, is a nonsense because... You know, we all have a soul. We all know that past the eyes, something exists. We don't know what it is. It's part of the intricacy of life. Um, and, you know, when you've got, especially Marcus Rashford, I, I mention him because of obviously what he's doing for the kids. Uh, it does make you realise that um, some people are just don't really have a brain and if they do they use it in rather a nasty way so uh, yeah as we um, finish off by saying uh, what a way to really slap down the problem with a suspended um, you know uh, sentence like that ridiculous um, I go next yeah, to I, I, personally, I personally think you should have actually um, had to spend time in jail um, because I'm not saying for a massively long jail sentence but maybe the suspended sentence that he's got actually spend it inside because then that might wake up some of these other people who think the same way and, so, and think well no, I'm, I'm not gonna I don't want to go to prison for three months um, and stop them from doing it but a suspended sentence it basically just opens the door doesn't it for um, anybody who thinks in that similar kind of way you just get a slap on the wrist and, and that's it yeah, I, I mean, it really is quite uh, alarming that this still is, you know, here it, we are. It is, it is alarming. When this, so when this man's 50 years old, you could say only 50 years old, 
Um, but he, to have those kind of views in, in the modern world, um, in the modern English world at least, he's, he's Neanderthal, isn't he? Yeah. Okay, look, I'm going next to um, a rather bizarre moment when Everton played Manchester United. Now, we know Cristiano Ronaldo has been uh, well and truly quoted as not being happy with Solskjaer's uh, decision-making, but um, there was a lovely goal scored by Townsend. Now, he's a great player. I used to uh, think it would be great if Liverpool could get him, but, uh, of course... Um, the thing I do remember is a great goal he scored against us at Anfield and um, basically a good player and when I looked at his um, shall we say celebration for his goal it was like a well it's like looking at a, a gazelle which would be Ronaldo doing it and then somebody who's just sort of still in the process of learning how to do it doing it <laughs> but anyway um there was one newspaper article that was going on about how, how disrespectful it was which is nonsense when all said and done absolute nonsense absolute nonsense you know uh, but townsend himself explained it that it was him trying to make a tribute to somebody who has influenced his career so I would be very happy to accept that as the explanation and I would also think that if anybody thinks that the goal celebration is an important part of football, for me, that is a non-starter. Uh, your views on that one, please, Rob. Well, I think this is Andros Townsend, isn't he, who um, scored, he scored the equaliser for uh, Everton in the Man U match the other day and he... Did an impression. He tried to mimic one of Cristiano Ronaldo's goal celebrations, and he'd been practicing this since he was a kid, because um, Cristiano Ronaldo was is his footballing hero, um, as he is to a lot of the uh, players these days, and a lot of people who are not players. Um, but he was just so proud to be being able to play on the same pitch as Cristiano Ronaldo because he, he didn't expect to be able to do it because um, until recently Cristiano was at Juventus wasn't he yeah. um, so he, he did the goal celebration and he doesn't score all that many goals these days so he did the goal celebration he made a, a bit of a mess of it as you say and he admits he made a mess of it it didn't come off exactly how Cristiano would have done it but he did it as a mark of respect he did it as a, a tribute to uh, Cristiano and at the end of the match, the pair of them swapped shirts and Cristiano was not offended whatsoever. I mean, um, I think Cristiano took it in good spirit because he realised that he was like a, a match to, to him. Um, it wasn't a mickey take in any sense of the word. And when Andros Townsend was interviewed after the match, he admitted that he'd made a bit of a mess of the celebration, but he explained his reasoning that Cristiano Ronaldo is his footballing idol. I mean, let, let's face it, all of these um, professional footballers and people such as ourselves, it, he's not one of my heroes um, because I'm possibly a bit old to have footballing heroes these days, but the younger players um, have been trying to play like Cristiano Ronaldo since they were kids. Um, and to actually turn the same pitches in and to score a goal, um, he, he, gave, he did it as a tribute um, to Cristiano Ronaldo, Cristiano, and Cristiano Ronaldo took it in good spirit and uh, swaps his shirts at the end of the match. Yeah. OK, so again, the, the papers meddling and people trying to create trouble. Let's go to Rob's La Liga roundup. And obviously, um, it would appear that Barcelona won't be in the frame for a while. Rob, what's been happening in La Liga? Right, well, um, in La Liga, we've got an international break this weekend, so there are no matches. Um, but um, as we go so far, in the last match, Atletico Madrid beat Barcelona 2-0. Um, Barcelona, at the moment, they lost. 3-0 um, to Benfica, didn't they, in the Champions League? And they are not doing particularly well at all at the moment, Barcelona. They're in eighth position. <clears throat> Excuse me, at the, at the top of um, La Liga, we've got Real Madrid 
in first place. We've got three teams on eight matches and 17 points. Real Madrid are on top because of goal difference, because they haven't played each other yet. Um, we've got Atletico Madrid, uh, Real Madrid, Atletico Madrid, Real Sociedad on 17. Then we've got Sevilla on 14. Osasuna, which is a surprise, um, on 14. They're in um, a, a Euro, Europa League place. Then Real Vallecano, another team from Madrid who recently promoted, are still in there in sixth place. Barcelona in ninth, actually. Barcelona, seven matches and uh, 12 points, which by their standards is pretty poor. Um, Elche, which is the local team to me, um, they're in 14th position because they, they won um, their match at the weekend. And they're on nine points. They're, they're getting themselves a margin from the relegation zone. But in the relegation zone, we've got Getafe, uh, who have now got one point. They've got a draw at the weekend against Real Sociedad. We've got Alaves on three points. And we've got Levante, um, who used to play occasionally at the Lamentier ground, didn't they? Yeah. They're in a relegation position on four points. Um, so it's very, very tough for us. It's very, very tight at the top at the moment. Um, I say we don't have any matches this weekend, but we will do the following weekend. OK, well, we have in the, in the interim, we have the exciting prospect of England playing Andorra, which is, I mean, to be honest with you, um, I'm just looking to see where the loo is. I'm, I'm that excited. It's the might of England against 75,000 as the, as the total population and whatever the percentage that plays football out of that. Uh, we then will play uh, Hungary, uh, which will be more of a challenge. But for our podcast today, I think rather than worry about the internationals, uh, because obviously we've got um, uh, the Premier League not this week, but the week after. So we'll go and look at what we saw as we go first to Old Trafford and the early game. Manchester United were playing without Cristiano Ronaldo. Um, I thought Manchester United would win. You thought Manchester United would win. Eric thought Manchester United would win. The score was Man United 1 and um, Everton with the Townsend Gold 1. Right, your thoughts on that game? Right, well, um, before that match, Man United had not, not, gone, not gone a run of eight home games without a clean sheet since 1972, which is nearly 50 years ago. Um, now it's nine games without uh, a clean sheet because... Um, Everton got a goal in. Cristiano started on the bench. Now, um, rumours of complaints by Cristiano of starting on the bench, I think are somewhat unfounded because um, they, they've got some sort of agreement with Cavani, um, the South American player who is also um, well into his mid-30s. They both play in a similar position <clears throat> and Cavani... Um, came on to play the first part of the match. He went off after 57 minutes and Cristiano comes on. <clears throat> because this, the, the, the amount of matches they've got, they've got to do squad rotation, haven't they? And I think they've come to some sort of agreement between themselves that Cavani and Cristiano will sort of um, more or less alternate between each other. But uh, yeah, Andros Townsend, who we just mentioned about his goal celebration, got the equaliser. Um for Everton and the scores ended level 1-1 OK um, Southampton uh, on the road have been quite good in previous years but they were going to Chelsea uh, we thought that Chelsea w well I thought Chelsea would win 2-1 uh, Rob thought it would be a 1-1 draw it was Chelsea 3 Southampton 1 Chelsea uh, I think struggled a bit in the first half um, Southampton are a good little team but you're always going to expect Chelsea to win that one although I shouldn't say that because you thought they were going to draw um, no disappointment for me but for you um, were you a little bit disappointed with Southampton? Well I won't say disappointed Vince because um, I'm, I'm neutral in that kind of match I, I was expecting more of them um, but um because Chelsea had just got beaten in the uh, Champions League, hadn't they, a few days before? Yeah. Which I thought might put their spirits down, but um, it didn't. It sort of had the opposite effect. 
Um, Southampton's goal was a penalty. He was 3 1 at the end of the match. And it was James Ward Prowse um, who got the penalty in. He's recently been called up for uh, the England squad because Calvin Phillips is injured. Um, I thought he should have gone to the Euros personally, but uh, he wasn't selected. But then very soon after he scored the penalty, he got a, a, a direct red card for a serious foul on uh, Jorginho. So he's going to be um, out for the next couple of matches on a red. But um, I, 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 I think uh, Chelsea got it together. I think they, I think they um, played really well and I think the result was uh, the right one. OK, we've got 10 minutes left. We've got uh, numbers of games to still discuss. Uh, so just to make sure we don't overlook your game uh, we have Leeds with a victory over Watford I saw this as 2-2 and you saw it as 3-1 now Watford's manager has uh, had the grand order of the boot which seems to be unfair as he brought them up from the championship and I don't think they were as low in the Premier League as Leeds were but He's gone, and um, Bielsa obviously is seen okay for the moment. What did you think of that particular game? I was relieved we got the points, Vince. That's that, that's our first um, victory of the season, and it it gets us out of the relegation zone. I mean, we are still in fairly early days, but uh, Leeds have now moved out of the relegation zone. Um, Leeds had never gone seven league games at the start of a season in any division without winning. Um, so they had they had to break the duck, if you like. Um, Watford, I'm, surpri- I'm surprised they uh, sacked Cisco Munoz, as uh, you say, because they didn't have uh, a particularly bad start to the season. They're not doing particularly badly now. But I was looking down the list of managers that Watford had had, and since... 2012, they've had 13 managers. Okay, so that's um, nine years ago. They've had 13 managers in that period. I think that's one of Watford's problems is that they they keep changing managers so often. I don't know who's going to come in. Do you know who's going to come in? Uh, yes, it's going to be uh, Ranieri, I think it is. Oh, it's going it's to be Claudio Ranieri. Yes, I've heard that as a rumour. Yeah. Um, but... I say that I think, I think one of Watford's problems is that they don't they don't have the stability with managers. I would have given Cisco Munoz um, at least till the end of the season, and I think I think he would have kept him up. But um, it wasn't my decision, and, and unfortunately, he was sacked. Okay, now I'm going to rush through a couple and then come back if we have time. Wolves, uh, Newcastle. We both thought Wolves would win that one, which they did two one. I thought Norwich put up a great show to get a point at Burnley. Um, more of Burnley, uh, I would have thought, uh, two points lost. We thought Burnley would win that one. Brighton and Arsenal was quite a tussle. We thought that would be um, a draw for you. So you got it right. I thought Arsenal would win it. Spurs against Villa. Now, Spurs, um, we thought Villa would win this one because from what's been going on, you wouldn't expect Spurs to win it, but Son was absolutely magnificent as ever, and uh, they ended up as 2-1 to Spurs. Brentford, and they were visiting West Ham. Um, we both thought that would be goal draws in this particular fixture. Brentford got a late uh, winner, which was um, Brentford 2, West Ham 1. Uh, Crystal Palace yeah, and the, Leicester. It, it was in the 94th minute. It was in the fourth minute of time added on. Um, and it was a sub called uh, Johan Visser is called. And it was the last kick of the match, or the second last kick of the match, because the referee, they, they West Ham, kicked off again. And as soon as they, they kicked off again, the referee the whistle for time up. Um, I'm, look, I'm I'm really enjoying um, watching Brentford. Actually, they don't have any fear, do they? They they, they, don't. they no no they 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 go in brave and to get West Ham as a scalp um, even at the 94th minute, it's a it's a good victory for them and an extra three points. Okay, um, Palace came back. Leicester went two up. It was a two-two draw, which I got. Uh, as my prediction, you thought that Palace would win that one. Um, Going to Liverpool 
playing Man City. We'll come to the game itself. Liverpool have got a first problem for the Watford game when the two, uh, three uh, Brazilian players will be called away. So, again, that's a big problem. Don't forget, we're going to lose Mane and Salah in the uh, January period when it's the African Nations Cup. However, going to the Manchester City game, I thought... Uh, it would be a draw, which proved correct. You thought that Liverpool would win this one. The first half was dreadful. I mean, we really were bad. Um, I know Milner, you would expect to have to eventually give away a foul. I thought Klopp's decision not to bring him off straight away was the wrong decision um, because basically uh, he should have gone off when he fouled after having already got a yellow card. Fortunately, the ref was in a very kind mood. There was a wonderful goal from a great move which ended with Marnie getting the first goal. Uh, City hit back with a great Foden goal. Then Salah scored a wonder goal and you're going to tell us what your impressions are of these goals as I tell you that um, De Bruyne hit back with a great shot to level the match. Great game, really, really was an interesting second half but the first half we just didn't turn up. OK, we've not got a lot of time, Rob, so um, give us your thoughts on what, what you saw on that game. Right, well, there was a big build-up to the match um, and the second half didn't disappoint, really, did it? The first half, as you say, Liverpool weren't really in the match, but City couldn't get it in either. James Milner, he's now 35 years old and obviously he, he's originally from Leeds, actually, James Milner. He's not got the speed that he used to have. Um, and Phil Foden, the Man City player, who's 21, was running rings around him. So he had to resort to fouling. Which is understandable for an old pro, really, isn't it? And he got himself a yellow card, but then he should have been sent off because he made a really, really clumsy, I would call it dangerous, challenge on Bernardo Silva in the second half, and the refs didn't seem to see it. Um, I think he should have got a red for that. I think most of the people, I think you'd probably agree, Vince, you mentioned it yourself. I think he should have got a red for that. Definitely. But, but, the, but um, the, the problem yeah. should have been... The, the problem really should have been seen by Klopp. Immediately, he got the first yellow card. You've got Joe Gomez, very competent player, waiting in the wings, and uh, he should have replaced him straight away. We could have gone down to the yeah, yeah. 10 men. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. Um, I say James Mildred, he's, he's putting good service and he still is a good player, but he isn't as fast. And you get a young lad like Phil Foden, who is absolutely... He, he's... he's He's on fire. He's quick, as we'd say. He's, oh, yeah, he's, he's on fire as well. I mean, he's and he was he was basically running rings around James Milner. But, um, yeah, Mo Salah's goal was absolutely excellent. Um, Mane's goal, it was a really cool finish after Mo Salah set him up for it. Um, Phil Foden got the um, Man City 1-1 goal. And Kevin De Bruyne, who seems to have come back onto farm again, he got the um, equaliser for uh, Man City in the 86th minute. I mean, really, from that game, you could see uh, either of those teams being, um, you know, obviously up for the maybe the championship. It all depends now on you know, injuries and these stupid internationals. Like we're losing three Brazilians um, for the first. For, for the first game back against Watford and then we lose Mane and Salah. I mean, you, you know, uh, it doesn't look good for us and I think, quite honestly, um, you know, what's the point of getting uh, these games going again? Give other players a chance to represent the countries, that's what I say. But anyway, I'm probably wrong. Um, right, uh, your thoughts on the the, the, the the difficulties of the managers trying to get the squads organised? Well, it must be very difficult for all of them at the moment, but especially um, people such as Klopp, as you say, they've got so many internationals, uh, international players from different countries who are, are going to be called up or have been called up by their countries to play for them. Um, as you mentioned, three Brazilians, whether or not they will have to go into quarantine or not when they arrive back. Um, it, it's all in the balance. What I've what I've read recently, I read yesterday, is that they have to stay in quarantine 
for 10 days, but then they're allowed out for training and to play matches, which I don't know how, how that's going to work. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it's very complicated for uh, the, matches, the, the managers, especially with such a, uh, a heavy schedule. Rob, and I've, got to, matches. I've got to uh, tell you that you've got 20 seconds only to finish our podcast from a very interesting week. Thanks very much for your company. Rob, you can wrap it up. Right, Vince. Well, yeah, it has been a very interesting uh, podcast this week, hasn't it? Um, I'm wishing England well. I think against Andorra, they shouldn't. They should put eight past them, hopefully. Um, Hungary should be a harder match. And good luck to Spain in the final of this Nations League on Sunday. 